Hello and welcome back to the Francisca Show, where we talk about Jewish women in the entertainment and performing arts world. And while it is freezing outside, I hope you can warm up with our fun conversation with the interviews of the special women in the Jewish entertainment world. Today we have the Ayelet Hashachar Band, a contemporary women's Jewish music ensemble that features Lisa Aronson Friedman on keyboard and vocals, Shalamis Koffler Weinrib on guitar, percussion and vocals, and Stephanie Rabinowitz on vocals. Drawing on an extensive musical background, the trio blends original songs, unique vocal and instrumental arrangements, beautiful harmonies to create sounds of deepest feeling that inspire and uplift. Their music is a sensitive expression of eternal Jewish theme resonating with meaning for our times. Ayelet Hashachar has had three major areas of focus. Number one, to be true to Jewish and Torah values, to hold their music to a high standard of professionalism, and to use their talents and time to do chassid, tzedakah. As such, they focus their nonprofit company. So Shalamis Koffler Weinreb is a singer-songer guitarist percussionist who has performed professionally for over 40 years, beginning with a tour of Europe and Iceland as lead female vocalist and keyboardist for a seven-member USO rock and roll band performing for standing room only crowds of up to 5,000. Upon returning to America, Shalamis played rock, blues, and top 40 music in clubs throughout the East Coast and Midwest. Before becoming religious and joining Ayala Tashachar, she produced two albums of original spiritual music, I Become the Eagle and Messengers of Light. She was named one of the 100 best and brightest young people in advertising by Advertising Age magazine. Shalamis' song, Peace Pilgrim, was used as the soundtrack for the internationally known documentary, Peace Pilgrim, an American sage who walked her talk. Pianist, singer, composer, Lisa Aronson Friedman, began her piano studies at the age of five. She studied with her own father, with Harold Prize, and finally with his son, Roger, who debuted with the National Symphony at age 17. Lisa also studied music theory at the American University Preparatory Department in Washington, D.C. She was her high school choir accompanist, began some performance singing during those years, and studied the guitar as well. She attended Oberlin College, where she majored in mathematics instead of music, but did take music classes, sang in the chorus, and performed in coffee houses prior to becoming observant. Lisa had the role of Hodel in the Baltimore Petach performance of Anna Tevka, Fiddler on the Roof, and fit music in when possible as she raised her children. Dina Blaustein, Aleha HaShalom, introduced her to Stephanie, and together they started a duo which eventually became Ayelet Hashachar. During the day, Lisa is a biostatistician at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, the third and final artist of the Ayelet Hashachar ensemble is Stephanie Rabinowitz. On vocals, graduated from New York University Tisch School of the Arts, and studied voice, theater, and movement at New York's Circle in the Square studio. She worked in production at the classic stage company Repertory Theater in the New York City and performed in Fiddler of the Roof at Baltimore Spotlighters Theater. After becoming religious, Stephanie performed in women's musical theater productions in Flatbush and Baltimore, 
and directed the Jewish Women's Choir, which performed annually to benefit the local day school. All of this until Hashem led her to the wonderful musicians of Ayelet HaShachar, and the rest is history. Ayelet HaShachar is available for live performances for Jewish women of all ages, educating and inspiring its audiences with themes and insights from sacred Jewish texts, providing the opportunity for its audiences to personally experience and connect to Jewish prayer. Hi, welcome everyone to the show, and by everyone, Lisa Aronson Friedman, Shalamis Koffler Weinreb, and Stephanie Rabinowitz. Welcome. Thank you. It's so great to have you on the show, and one of the most amazing things about having you on the show is because you have something really amazing because you have stuck it out together for so many years. Is it over 16 years? It is yeah, over 16 yes. years. Yep. Well, what is your secret? Let's start with that. Patience. <laughs> it's like a good marriage, you know? I was going to say That's like right. a good marriage. Yeah, I was going to say you com you. compromise. <laughs> compromise. And communication. Shalom bias. Shalom bias. And love. Okay. Love. Well, I will want a few stories about that. But we'll start with uh, the classic question, and how did your group form? I know I you got introduced to each other through... Dina Blaustein. Dina Blaustein. The first, yeah, Stephanie and I um, were both friends with Dina Blaustein independently. Um, and she, Dina was the... Um, Dina had a band called Encore, which was around for many years and, and changed um, personnel over, over the years. But, um, but she was the founder and she was the, the mover and shaker and she played the drums. And so I was playing with, I was playing with Dina often in um, some of the women's music that was happening in Baltimore many years ago. Um, and I turned to Dina and I said, this is Stephanie speaking. I said, turned to Dina and I said, you know, let me into your band. And she said, no, we already have a vocalist. She said, but I've got the next best thing. I've got a great musician, and I think you guys are on the same page, um, you know, are looking to do the same thing and are of the same, you know, have, have the same idea of what women's, Jewish women's music should be like. And, um, and so she introduced me to Lisa. And so from there... Um, Shalamis was like a, a godsend. After that shidduch was made, Shalamis appeared um, at one of our, Lisa and I played at a Beis Yaakov event and, and uh, Shalamis ended up being there, um, not to hear us, but to hear, to hear the speaker, to hear actually Repson Youngrise, Mayor um, maybe for a blessing. And she heard us that night and then we heard her and then the rest is history. She was, um, you know, the absolutely rounded out exactly what we were um, hoping to, to do and enhanced our sound, you know, immensely. That's truly amazing because, you know, I am a one woman show and I can't even imagine working with other people and making everyone happy. So when you say Shalom Bias and how you make it work, I know so many bands fall apart because of all the drama that's involved. So one thing is to just say, you know, you're the vocalist, you're the guitarist, and you're the percussionist. And another thing is when you're actually creating new content together 
and being polite and at the same time creating good music. So how do you get that balance? Can you give me an example of what it what it's like for you to work together, what a day in the studio or a day of creating looks like? Um, and obviously, if you had any dramatic stories where you'd fight, <laughs> I want to hear about that too. <laughs> Shalamis, you want to take this one? <laughs> Uh, sure, sure. Um, so, so first of all, I think that just like any marriage, you have to have a foundation of respect. And if you have a foundation of respect, then everything flows from that. So I think we all respect each other. And we truly are a sisterhood. Uh, when I say love, I, I, I mean it. And we really are a sisterhood and we respect each other. Um, we don't always agree, but, you know, we work it out. And um, when we each, like Lisa and I are the composers of the group, when we each have a song that we're bringing to the group, we present it. Um, and, you know, we're honest. And if there's something that we don't like as much, you know, we'll say it. Uh, and usually there's compromise, but most of the time, frankly, there's not changing. It's, it's more just enjoying it and then working it out. Um, and enhancing. The, and enhancing the... it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Lisa does her own vocal arrangements, and I do my own vocal arrangements. And then instrumentally, we each add our own part. So Lisa would add her piano um, sensibility to it, you know, what she feels is the right uh, part to play. And I would do... Um, as, as well on the guitar. And if there are solo pieces in it, um, then Lisa would do the solo and, and vice versa on the guitar would do the solo. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just been a dance. And really the 16 years, it's not like, it's like they've gone by, I don't know about everybody else, but they've gone by, you know, it hasn't been like grueling 16 years. It's been, you know, a wonderful ride. Um, and, um, you, you know, know Shalamis, now gonna, yeah. Shalamis, if I can add something, um, you know, there's something else about collaborating. Um, um, if you haven't, if you've only done solo music, you're really missing out on something in, in my humble opinion, there is something wonderful about collaborating in music. And I've, I've done it, you know, over many years because, um, I grew up studying classical music. So, I always collaborated with other musicians with things. And so it's not only fun, but there is definitely um, a higher spirituality, I think. And, and we feel it tremendously when we're, when we're um, performing or, or just even rehearsing together. Just that moment, it's like an aha moment where everything just comes together and you just, you just like look at each other and, you know, we, we just, we all feel it. And I think that is so worth it that, you know, even if there are times we might not agree, you know, we just get through because we know that, that, that everything is so good that, you know, it's worth, uh, it's compromising at times. Wow. So, and I want to, if I can add to that, that the, you know, as a vocal performer, so there is this aspect, ego aspect, I guess, you know, of like, a, you know, so to speak, the spotlight kind of thing. And in the different, as over the years, as we've sort of assigned parts of our, as my, of my um, 
as my co- these extraordinary composers, these two women have created music and said, okay, you'll sing this part and you'll sing that part, whatever. The more the the through the years, you know, more and more of the songs have become ensemble pieces with you know highlighting vocal um, parts, but never not as much you know in the later years the like solo songs you know solo pieces and uh, you know there's always a sense of you know doing a solo piece and sort of being out there kind of on the ledge working together as an ensemble and singing together ensemble you know in in tight harmonies as um as they write there's something so uh, embracing and so comforting and so um enriching about that experience it's it's much nicer than being out there hanging out there in the solo world. <laughs> well, I and definitely... I also want to add that that because we've worked together for so long and because we're so, I, I say this, you know, we have harmony on stage, but we also have harmony off stage. Um, that harmony shows up in in this in this blend that is and has been created from the years of working together. So that there are times if we sing the same note, you can't really tell whose voice is what and it sounds like its own unique voice and um that just comes from the whole gestalt of the work the way we work and and i I just want to say that i was a solo artist for many years before i joined the yellow shaka and um i joined it you know not that long after i became from and i uh, I said to myself, well, I'm joining this community and now I'm going to join a musical community. And that's really what I thought uh, when I said yes. I said, I want to join this musical community. And that's that's also what it's been. Wow, that's really beautiful. I did experience being in an ensemble. It was different because we did have a director who was an outside party directing us. We were children, so it definitely required that as children. And, um, it, it was definitely beautiful where every, you're not alone. Everyone sounds in sync and there's a certain belonging and community like feeling performing with others. So I definitely, I definitely identify with the things you've all mentioned. And it's really beautiful to hear how, how you have this commitment and respect to each other. So thank you for showing us such beauty and, um, such an example of, of such work. Uh, I heard that you performed your your original debut show called Titled Prayer and your your thing the the kick with it was that it was a fundraiser for terror victims in Israel. And I found that fascinating because you you found something that really touches many people and you're able to combine it with your music and bring more meaning to what you already do. And I know you have so much in your mission statement. So that's really beautiful how you brought it together. Can I ask how that idea came about? And if, if the organization that you raised the money for was a part of the event, can you tell me more about that? And if there's more to it than, than just that with that show in 2001. So we started in two that 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 show the idea for the show came about um, you know that the terrorism here in Israel was just 
taking hold. It was after, like what the first Intifada was two thousand, I think. Yeah, there were a lot and of bus so, bombings. Yeah, a lot of bus bombings this, going on. Yeah, well, the bus yeah. bombings at the Sabaro, the pizza shop bombing. There was it was really horrific. Um, and you know, as you know, that feeling of helplessness over here, in, you know, in being away. From, you know, reading the news and not and 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 hearing the and hearing about it, and it's interesting the the so we met. Remind me, guys, we that was we had just started collaborating, right? As a the three of us. Yeah, what was it, March, April, when right? Right. First. I Stephanie, I got a bunch a bunch of people to make a committee. We had a com- we did right. not right. Uh, to answer your question, Francesca. We um. We did not directly hook up with the organization. I think it was even one family fund. Is that does that ring a bell, guys? It's one of it's either that one or or something. Some I mean, everything was new. It was really all very new. You know, in world events, it was. I mean, terrorism wasn't new, obviously, but that this level, um, you know, it, it had gone to new heights. And then we chose the date that we did. Um. And the, you know, the with a lot of with, with a lot of support from the community of Baltimore, the women's community in Baltimore. Well, they were mostly Jesus women from Shomrayam from Shomrayamuna because right, from the, the time, one, yeah. from one of the schools, and they so they formed a committee and they were and they were actively fundraising. And um, the, the the concert was actually called Prayer Through Music, and it was two days before. Before 9/11, yeah, it ended up being two days before 9/11. The the extraordinary thing for us about that particular concert was that it it was our debut concert. We were very very well received by the Baltimore community, and we had also um, there had been a building excitement because we did have a committee of women, and then whatever monies we raised were also matched. By whom do you remember? Was it by Shomrei? But was it was no, no. It was the it was the um who in Israel. It was the uh, the fund in Israel. Somebody threw that fund. I don't think it was Shomrei. Shomrei um, donated the place, and actually Rabbi um, C. Hirsch Weinreb, who was the rub of the time of Shomrei Muna, um, actually spoke beautifully, um, gave an introduction before we performed. So. Um, uh, I'm, I remember that still very fondly. He was very supportive of our work. So, and that really and, set and we raised the tone. Yeah, we we did. We raised a lot raised of money, lot for, of us money. For, for women's music, particularly women's music at that time, et cetera, et cetera. And it was before anything had been recorded. Um, so it's not like we were selling something at the end of the show. You know, we. Um, but it, it it set the tone for us to to understand that. You know, in order to have uh, um, opportunities to perform, it was um, it was almost like we 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 I don't know how to say this exactly, but it, it you know it how do I say this? When you would have a male performer and he would do a concert, it was enough to come to the concert because he was doing the concert. Okay, let's let's use somebody older. You know, Mordechai Ben David is doing a concert. And you go because you want to hear Mordechai Ben David. So for women at that time, it was almost more like... No brand name recognition. Well, that and a reason to go out. So it was, you know, it, it, 
we, I, if I'm going to commit my evening, says young mom of children or doesn't generally go out very often or can't get a chance to get out, oh, this is going to benefit the victims of terror in Israel or this is going to benefit our local day school or this is going to benefit, you know, um, our, you know, fabulous Jewish caring network in Baltimore, you know, like so, so great. I'm going to go out, you know, so if when we were tied to a fundraiser, we found when we would try just stum do a concert was not as um, well attended because women tended to just not go out just because. Right. right. Well, they'd rather go with their husbands. So, you know, for them, they don't often choose to go to women's only events unless they feel it has some some um, higher purpose. Right. So you really got us to the next topic, which is the challenges that we all face. And it sounds like you're saying this is how it was. So are you implying that things have changed over the years and that now it is different for you? I don't think so. <laughs> it's still the same. Well, the same old. I mean, at some Nobody point we started out. doing, we did a, we decided to do a Rosh Chodesh series and, and women came out for because it was Rosh Chodesh so it was you know and you know and in the times that we have tried to raise money just for ourselves meaning to record to put back into the band it's never for ourselves personally but you know you know to benefit the band in order to be able to put more music out um you know it's just it's it's a little bit more it's more difficult because a when you're working either for for to benefit an organization you have you have support from an organization to help you with logistics of putting on a, you know, a performance and all that that entails. So, um, you know, it's, it, I don't, I don't know that whether it's changed. I don't know. What do you think? I don't, I don't know that it's changed so much. Shlamis, what do you think? Um, I tell you, I do see a change, not necessarily in, in terms of the audience change, but I see enormous change on the horizon, starting and on the horizon of almost like a renaissance of women artists, women creative um, expression, and women musicians. Maybe it's because of you know um, seeing people at the Atara convention, or or seeing people on the Koisha radio program, or just subtly being more aware of what's out there, but I feel like it's like a momentum building of that. Um, I don't think the audience has quite caught up to it yet because it's still new. Um, I think that it's, it's, it's growing though. Um, and as far as, you know, women being used to seeing a lot of women performers, I think that's, that's got to grow as well. That, um, you know, there haven't been so many at least not in Baltimore, and and certainly they know they know us, but it's not like we get so many visiting performers in Baltimore. So I'm optimistic about the future in terms of there being, uh, like I said, more of a renaissance, more of a of a, a a growth and an explosion of creativity among women uh, in the film world, um, which is you know a wonderful thing. It's interesting you were mentioning that. You remember the Brooklyn concerts? The mass, you know, the big production number, Brooklyn concerts, Holomo, um, Sokas, and so forth. So, um, at some point, when the economy dropped, it was like 2008, 2009. We were we were kind of on a roll doing a number. We I think we did two or three, maybe three of those 
Um, two. two. The big, um, was it two of them? Two of them, two. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the big productions, and then they stopped. Um, and I don't, and again, they, they, they called it, an, it was an economic crisis. People weren't um, putting that kind of money into, certainly into women's um, productions at that point. So, so you know, um, Shalamis, in response to what you said, I agree and I disagree. Okay, I agree. I think there's a renaissance and there are so many women doing a lot of things. But mm-hmm. I think that it's blossoming more in the, um, in the recording and, you know, online and videos and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm guessing that there's always going to be an inherent issue with the concerts. Not that women won't come to concerts to hear other women. It just won't be as much as with the men because I think, you know, if a woman is married and has a family and doesn't want and has to decide, well, I can only go out, you know, once this month, you know, on a Mosi Shabbos and she has a choice between going to hear a woman performer, which, you know, she has the CDs so she can listen um, or going to hear a male artist with her husband. I I would, she would, I would agree with you. Yeah. But I, I think that we're talking a different audience. I think you're talking an older, if I can use an advertising term, demographic. Uh, and I'm talking a younger one because I remember, for example, the Atara convention. Um, the audience there was like hungry, hungry for performers, hungry for to see people on stage and to identify with them and to enjoy the music. Fantastic. It was absolutely electric, the atmosphere there, particularly that Friday night. And I, and it was mostly the younger kids, the, the girls, the teenagers. So mm-hmm. I'm really talking about them. Like, I'm wondering what's going to be if there mm-hmm. were more concerts. Would they come out? I hear mm-hmm. what you're saying about the older. For sure, it's practical. And you're, you're right. But I think that there's something there with the younger. Uh, and I see how they're the ones who know. Like I'm a I'm a guitar teacher and I a lot of my students are teenagers, teenage girls. And and they're like naming all these names. Yeah, I listened to this one and that one and this one. And then you like, you know, they're like really into it. And I think that they're the ones who would be coming out to these concerts. So I agree with concerts. all of you. It's true. It's it is a double edged thing because in order to produce high level shows, you need to have money and the people who are coming to the shows don't necessarily want to spend that money because mm-hmm. if you're dealing mm-hmm. with teenagers, then their parents are paying for it and they might not value it as much and not want to pay as much. So you do have that. Everything you've mentioned, there's definitely truth to it all. And I can't agree with you more. <laughs> and, and you, well, you're dealing with the same stuff, so you know. Of course, I'm yeah. dealing with the same sure, stuff, but sure. hearing your perspective on how things have been for the last, you know, 16 years and that things really haven't changed. You know what? I've recently realized that it's not just the performance market. It's not just the women. It's not just the art. We're dealing with people's religion. And and with that, mm-hmm. there's a lot less room for change, for, for any new, for newness, for, mm-hmm. for for revolution. Mm-hmm. So as much as there is a renaissance and there's there's a lot more performers out there, but the support and the networking is definitely still pushing back and there is a lack of a market, I think I think mostly because it is class clashing with religious values for a lot of people. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. And yeah, and it's also is. what people grew up grew up with. If they, if you have a certain sound, um, as you know, Yalta Shacher has, we have our niche. Um, yeah. Then and you, and you didn't grow up with that sound. You don't necessarily connect to it. So um, I know we've run into that uh, with certain people. So um, you have put out two albums, and you're working on your third. And it's incredible how much you've able to accomplish. And 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 you you've raised a lot of money by performing into your into your projects. But also, I want to applaud you on a big practical side. The fact that you became a nonprofit organization, I'd like to hear more about the reasoning behind it, how you came to this, and has it really helped you as a band to accomplish your goals to become a nonprofit? Lisa, you take that one. Lisa, <laughs> Lisa <you> take that. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Anything business, they throw my way. Even though I'm totally in my private life, I am not a business person. I let my husband handle taxes and everything else, but somehow I managed to do it all. Um, but anyway, um, right. I think early on, we all realized that it was going to be very hard to raise money to record. And we also realized what we were just talking about, that it was easier to get women to come out when you're raising money for something. So um, I think that I, I mentioned, I might have been the one to mention it at first. Well, maybe we should become a nonprofit. And, um, and so we, we, we hired a lawyer and set that up. And it meant that when people came to our concerts and wrote a check, they could write it to a Yelata Shachar Jewish music experience. And there, there would be a, you know, a, if it was a donation, in other words, if it wasn't just a ticket price, but if they were sponsors or they were, you know, donating to something for us for recording or anything else, it was tax deductible. I mean, it's still more, tax deductible. I think even, even, you know, the, those are the, those are the small checks. Um, more importantly, when we started the first, um, fundraising efforts for the for the for or Hadash, our first um, CD. So um, we were going to foundations, and we had to be a 501c3. We had to be a not-for-profit in order to create, you know, in order to have a vessel to receive um, foundation checks. And thanks to some, well, um, we didn't get anything from foundation. Well. Oh, when, yes, yes, we one, yes, we did. Yes, one, yeah. Yeah, sorry, we did from one. Yes, so anybody, but and even anybody who gave a, a large check was certainly going to want to have a have it to be uh, tax deductible. By the way, as we're saying all this, I'm thinking I don't know what this is going to mean with the new tax law, guys. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. so, yeah, and but it was it was it, we chose it as an investment, um, and it, it it's definitely an investment that paid off for us. And we yeah. did it early on. And it's, and, and it's, and it's still paying off for us. Yeah. Because we're, we're about to embark on a crowdfunding campaign through Juicer. And it's, it's really an advantage to be a tax-deductible uh, organization, to be a tax-exempt organization when you're doing that. Because it's, people like to be able to do that, to give, and get that taken off. So it's, it's a, a real plus. So it's great that you figured out what to categorize yourself as to make it to make it really possible to sustain your band, which is amazing. I'm wondering with Stephanie making Aliyah and moving to Israel, how it's affecting the logistics of the band. <laughs> well, hard? thankfully there was three-way Skype so far. 
So um, we haven't really, you know, once we get into uh, again, back into the studio, so that'll be kind of the real test. Um, you know, obviously, with everything being digital, so and with my um, my part being, so to speak, the easiest one to be long distance, being vocal. Sure. Um, we'll we'll kind of we'll see how it goes. You know, the, obviously, um, performance wise, definitely limited, and we haven't really. Um, been challenged there yet so we'll kind of now cross that bridge you know or how did lisa you say what did you say we'll burn that bridge when we get there yeah some of my my sons yeah yeah. Uh, but um but the recording you know recordings done everywhere and done digitally and there are you know fabulous recording studios here in israel which um um so hopefully it'll work you know and again we haven't we haven't tested Mm -hmm. it out yet so it remains to be seen I believe in you, Ayala Shahar. You will make it work. You've you've gone. You you've made it through so many challenges and obstacles. Um, so, is there anything we haven't mentioned yet in terms of, you know, what? I I don't know. Like I remember speaking with Lisa a couple of months back, and and really considering becoming a nonprofit for myself, and I really couldn't come to terms with it because I didn't want to accept the fact that. The only reason people will donate or support my music is because they're getting a tax deduction or or just just basically come to the realization that I am a non for profit or that I'm not looking to to make a living from this because I, I am trying to find a way to make a living to from make my a living music. from it. right that and I don't want to be a non profit. I, I might have to look in into other options, but um you know, when people buy my album, it's not a tax deduction. They're getting great entertainment. Why should they have to deduct, you know, why should they feel well, like they have to deduct from a, from right. a album? Well, the albums, if they buy our CDs, there's no tax deduction, okay? That's an outright purchase, and it's, you know, it is, you know, the money goes into our nonprofit business, but it doesn't doesn't give that person a tax deduction. So but that part doesn't change. Right. Okay. I, I think Francesca, one of the problem, one of the issues is you're looking to make a living and we weren't, we all have, um, yeah, we all have professions outside of our music and, um, you know, wanted to get together to do music because uh, we love it. And, um, so we didn't have that same drive. Now we needed the money to, you know, do the things we wanted to do in the band. So that was the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I, right. I think, and not, not to think, and every, I'm sorry, go on. But not to think that, you know, I mean, and clearly Lisa said we want to do our music because we love it. And it was also, we wanted to express it just like, like any artist wants to express themselves. We wanted to express our music and we found a form to do it. And, but we didn't have the financial component in there. We didn't need to make it a commercial success. We just wanted to make it, you know, an, ex- uh, an artistic success for us, so to speak. Right. You really articulated your goals and you're able to accomplish them because it was so clear what you really wanted to do. And uh, I, I applaud you for that. I really respect you. <laughs> I don't have such clarity yet. I'm still searching. Um, well, 
Yeah. You're a little younger than even we were when we got together. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's consolidating. That that is comforting a little bit. To hear. And I think the opportunities. You know, I think you know as we sort of said earlier. I think the opportunities really are different, and um, and and every group or artist, you know, obviously has to do what works for them. This worked for us. It's not a, necessarily a formula that everyone should. Or you know should use, but it is a great formula. It's great for people out there to hear that this exists and there's a path and it works. Um, I guess we are coming to to an end, unfortunately. But I wanted to ask you, with your wisdom and your experience, you know, one of you did mention how I, the market's not ready for for people for women like us yet. What do you think has to change? What needs to happen in order in order for there to be more opportunity? I think that um, more people need to know about who's out there. I think there needs to be more um, <clears throat> awareness of uh, venues like, um, I don't know, the Koisha Radio or, or um, just to know who the artists are. Like if they know that this is available, it creates more of an opening. If they don't know it's available, then you know they're not looking for it. So I think a lot of it has to do with awareness, expanding people's um, you know, horizons of what's out there, what actually exists now. And there's some really wonderful performers and wonderful, uh, talented um, musicians and people out there who who deserve to be heard. And I think the more that they're heard, the more the opening will just happen. I think also it's, you know, like sort of there's two sides to this coin. Like there, you know, there is a limited market for Jewish women's music. There's a, you know, you know, if you pare it down and pare it down from a marketing standpoint, you know, your, our, our target audience gets smaller and smaller and smaller you know, with each kind of restriction, listen to music, listen to women's music, don't listen to women's music, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's a, that's definitely a challenge, but the fact is, I think what Shalamas is saying, and also like that, you know, with, with, um, rapidly changing technology with this digital age and so forth, you know, I think our, our music can get in and creep into places and get into places that it couldn't before. So it's kind of could go, Either way, I think think it'll go either way. Any parting advice or suggestions or wishes to our listeners? And we'll close with that. I would say whatever you're doing, don't stop doing your music. Because especially, you know, with Jewish music, if you use it to connect to Hashem, there's just no better expression. I, 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 you know... So no matter whether you make me make money, don't make money, you know, find a way to keep doing music. That's my uh, my advice <laughs> for what it's worth. Thank you. Yes, it's really and, special. Uh, Anything else? I, th- I think they shouldn't be afraid. I think they should think big. I think uh, uh, they should know that Hashem gave gave them the gift and that. He didn't give it for no reason. He gave it, he gave it for them to share it, but also to connect it 
with him and to try to connect people to him and to wow. what we try to do. It's really deep. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks um, for having us. Oh, thank yeah, you so thank much. Ayala Hashachar is available for live performances for Jewish women of all ages, educating and inspiring its audiences with themes and insights from sacred Jewish texts, providing the opportunity for its audiences to personally experience and connect to Jewish prayer. For links and more information, please click on the blog. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is the Francisca Show, and have a great week. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.